Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to city of god a podcast of the center for public theology at midwestern baptist theological seminary my name is dr owen strand and i'll be your host join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the City of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, Brett McCracken. Brett is a senior editor at the Gospel Coalition, and he's the author of Uncomfortable, Gray Matters, and the book that uh, really caused quite a stir when it came out a few years ago, Hipster Christianity, When Church and Cool Collide. I really appreciate his writings and his broader work. Brett is married to his wife, Kira, and they live in California. Uh, I am not currently being envious as I read that in terms of uh, August or September weather. I want you to know that, Brett. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wait, wait until January, and then you can be envious. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, in all seriousness, Brett, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I could yeah. talk to you about many things um, and have enjoyed having different conversations with you over the years. But today, yeah. I want to talk to you about really what I think is your spirit specialty, or, or at least one of them, and that's film. How yeah. how and why, th- that's not overly common in our circles, frankly, kind of doctrinally, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, doctrinally serious Christianity for someone to um, love sound doctrine, um, love yeah. gospel yeah. Christianity, but then in a, in a really meaningful way also really enjoy, but not just enjoy, really look critically and incisively at cinema. So tell me yeah, how this how this interest developed in you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the short story is I just grew up loving movies. It was one of those childhood loves. I loved books. I loved, you know, fantasy fiction and Narnia and those sorts of things. But I also loved movies from a young age. Like I just remember loving going to see Steven Spielberg movies and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing up, it was just, it was my thing. And the way I describe it in terms of how I came to be bridging the worlds of film and, and the church is, is that the church and, and Christianity was also a a love and always has been a love of mine. And I think growing up, I grew up in Kansas City and um yeah. you know Baptist up, Baptist upbringing and as as we know sometimes the the worlds of culture and the arts and and our kind of um church culture don't always gel and they don't always talk to each other and right so I felt that I felt that tension growing up to to some degree and I I think I just felt like well these are two loves that I have movies and and church, but they're just kind of separate tracks, and and that's that's okay. I can love them in their in their own place. So it didn't really occur to me, or I didn't really even have a model or a vision for how to integrate them until college. I went to Wheaton College um, for my undergraduate, and um, 
And at Wheaton, I, I worked at the Wade Center, which if, if you guys know what the Wade Center is, it's a study center for the works of um, Lewis and Tolkien and kind of the Inklings. Mm-hmm. And um, so working there and kind of immersing myself in their work, seeing kind of models for how to dialogue and appreciate and love the arts, but also from, you know, from a theologically orthodox um, love as well how to integrate those. So I kind of caught a vision for how to do that in college. Um, and yeah, I got, got my start really there writing film reviews for the college newspaper at Wheaton, um, thinking about films of all sorts, you mm-hmm. know, from that theological, from, from my faith perspective. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where it got started. And, um, by God's grace, I've been able to do it pretty much ever since, um, in some capacity, as either like a freelance part-time thing, or now I do it basically full-time for my job at the Gospel Coalition, which is amazing. So yeah, that's the the short story. So you basically today consider yourself a full-time film critic, really? Well, with a caveat, (laughs) my job at at the Gospel Coalition involves a lot of other things beyond I, beyond writing film reviews, I wish I could say that's all I did. Sure, uh, every all day, every day, that would be fun. But um, no, so that's just part of my job. But but yeah, it is a it's a part of my job. So I get to justify going to see movies during the middle of the workday to to um, write about <laughs> them potentially. So it's not a bad gig. Yeah, that's quite a life. And I'm not trying to get you in trouble here with TGC, of course, uh, just to make that very clear. Colin Hansen's been on the podcast before. Mm, um, yes. Matt Smethurst will be on soon. So um, so we're we're thankful no, for those guys, and, and we want you to keep, keep working with them profitably. Uh, but yes, I mean, I, I can say I reviewed a, a film for you uh, a year, a couple right. of years ago, Darkest Hour on Churchill. Right. And mm-hmm. probably one of the most indulgent things I've ever felt myself doing was going to that <laughs> film at the plaza in Kansas City yeah. in the middle of the day. Now, like you, yeah. I can slot theological writing, including theological writing on film, under the category of what I actually do for a living. Yeah. So let that be said and let that be believed as well. <laughs> And yet, right. and yet, just to go into this movie theater, because, I, I mean, different people have different rhythms in their life and avocations and that sort of thing. That's not something I yeah. normally do. So, but, but getting right. to go into that, that theater and, um, and actually have a purpose to it, but still enjoy the film was, again, yeah. felt a bit yeah. indulgent, but in a good way, in a good way. Right. And I think it's, it's not a bad thing to, to enjoy no your job. And so I feel fortunate to have a job like this where I, I it's in my sweet spot of, of loves. And I, what I love about the Gospel Coalition and my job there is it literally brings together those two loves that I talked about growing up with, the love of the church and the love of the arts and mm-hmm. film particularly. So to have a, a job where I'm, you know, helping other Christians bridge those worlds in productive ways is such a gift. So I'm so grateful. And it's been quite the enjoyable experience so far. Well, I, yes, I agree with you. Film is the medium of the age. What, how, how would you mm. 
encourage us to think about this? I mean, obviously, music is huge, yeah. right? TV's huge. In fact, yeah. um, a lot of good storytellers have gone to TV following David Simon and others in the last couple decades because you can tell the story mm-hmm. longer, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But wh- how do you think about where film fits in – this is the end of 2019 in terms of modern arts and what – modern people devote themselves to? Is it the biggest medium, one of? How would you say it? Yeah, I mean, I think film and TV are probably the biggest popular medium for the average person. Um, Film has always been a a populist medium, right, from from day one. At the turn of the 20th century, it was Nickelodeons. It was a medium for the common man. Uh, We couldn't afford to go to the theater or um, wasn't well-read. Um, they would go to see the, the little the films, the Vaudevillian type films at the Nickelodeon. So, yeah, film has always had this populist mass appeal. It's someone um, once described it as the church of the masses, hmm. and so I see it from from a theological point of view as just this crucial um, space where um, people today, 21st century people artists um, express these kind of religious, spiritual longings and ideas, um, and, and, and people go in the audience are there trying to, um, yeah, wrestle through through their, their spiritual longings in a, in a secular age. So, yeah, I, I think film is a crucial medium. We're in a visual age. People talk about that. We've moved kind of from a maybe a, a age of reading to an age of watching I don't know how true that is because books have never been more popular. Um, yeah. Never. Um, so um, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to overstate that, but I do think for for young people today, um, Generation Z, they're growing up in the age of screens, and that's just their world. So um, YouTube, Netflix, yes. um, all of that is is just a massively uh, important medium, and so for Christians to be disengaged from it in any capacity, whether in a critical capacity like I'm in or in the creative capacity of making stories and mm. making things for these mediums, I think that would be a real shame. So I, I think we need to engage it, um, but <clears throat> not, in a, not in such a way that we're subsumed and <laughs> kind of colonized by it. And that's, that's the tension, right? In all of these conversations yes. about engaging the culture, how do we do it without becoming the culture and we could talk all day about that but uh yeah that's a big that's a big tension that i feel and i've always wrestled with in this job and as i've been a christian trying to productively engage film and the arts i feel the the lure i feel the uh, kind of inertia of it and and so i'm i constantly have to just double down on my on my um, my faith, my church commitment, mm-hmm. all the guardrails, all the guardrails that keep me, you know, in that in within, you know, the fold of orthodoxy. Because engaging the culture, this culture today in twenty first century Western culture is is a dangerous endeavor. Man, it, mm, it is. Well um, there are so many landmines and so many pitfalls in the. The vast majority of the um, messages, if we want to talk on that kind of message level of media, are quite opposite to what <laughs> biblical um, orthodoxy would would have us believe. So, but that makes it all the more important, I think, to have um, thoughtful voices engaged.
packaging it and kind of pointing out the errant messages in media, even as we celebrate, you know, the, the good things and the beautiful things and the true things. And, and we can do both. And I'm, I'm convinced that we can do both. It's just a, a very precarious uh, task at times. It is. And you even voiced uh, a little of what I'm sure many of us feel when you talked about the pull. Um, there is, frankly, for lack of a better word, a kind of seductiveness, you know, to to the silver screen and <laughs> cinematography. You know, I'm not an expert, but cinematography has never been better. Um you know, theaters have yeah. have never been more IMAXed, um, you know, so right. so we could go on and on. But the point is this, right. that that the stakes are high and the medium really is um, at a peak, at least in terms of sort of delivery, you know, product, the, the product that mm-hmm. that can be delivered. I don't mean that that stories are being told better than they have. I mean, though, that if mm-hmm. films are visual fundamentally, as you have uh, rightly said, you know, and then we're consuming visual content. And that visual content is being presented with great excellence just in terms of the skill, not so much the worldview. Um, We really do have a profound responsibility to bring all the thousand horsepower power of our theological and moral worldview. Um, Not not an easy dance necessarily, but but really important. You you talked – I want to go a slightly different way though. You talked about how film was inherently populist from the beginning. Um, What's interesting to me about your criticism – is that and I don't I haven't read every last word you've written, but I I, I do read you regularly. Mm-hmm. The writing you have done on film that gripped me in an unusual way was on Tree of Life. You've written a number of things on Tree mm-hmm. of Life. Um, yeah. yeah. But um you wrote a piece for Christianity Today in 2011. Um, you wrote another one on your own blog in 2012 about Terrence Malick's mm-hmm. Tree of Life. And mm-hmm. Malick is widely esteemed as an auteur. Um so this whole conversation can't be about Terrence Malick, but <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> it certainly, certainly could be. In fact, you, yeah. you could probably have a podcast about Malick um, sing- I know. singularly. I know. I've, I've been tempted to. Attempt. <laughs> <laughs> it would be too indulgent. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Speaking but, of uh, indulgent, but but yeah. it, I, I would enjoy it, I'm sure. But um, talk to us. Uh, briefly about Malik. What what is it about Malik mm-hmm. that really seems to grip you? Mm, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Malik was the, the one who started it all for me in terms of this um, journey of integrating the worlds of faith and film. Um, I saw the Thin Red Line in the theater when I was in high school. I think I was a sophomore in high school. I saw it at the West Glen Theater in Shawnee, um, mm-hmm. which is around where I grew up. And mm. I just remember that was this is one of those indelible film going experiences um, that, that stands out in my memory because it was the first time I sat in a theater watching a film and I just felt this kind of goosebump inducing like sense of transcendence as if I were in church, like as if I was brought into a cathedral space uh, to worship God. And I didn't know how to. I didn't know what language to apply to that experience, um, but it, it, start, it started me on this journey of trying to understand, like, okay, how is cinema, how is it uniquely kind of allowing people to give voice to these um, longings, these groanings for transcendence? Mm-hmm. And Malik, I think his films just really encapsulate that. Like, he 
he is a, a Christian himself. He, he would call himself a Christian, um, and, and I think he brings his faith and his religious outlook to his film, to the films he makes in a very uh, unmistakable way. So he's he's looking at using the medium of cinema to um, yeah to point people beyond the imminent frame, so to speak, beyond this kind of enclosed modern world mm-hmm. where um, where we've cut off God and we've cut off the transcendent. So all of his films have this very kind of, um, yeah, just looking beyond um, pointing to, to God and the transcendent aspect to them. So I just love that about his films. They're so rife with biblical imagery from you know, from Badlands, his first movie, and set in 1972, all the way through to, you know, his most recent films, he is just constantly drawing upon biblical um, themes and um, imagery and theological ideas. Pilgrim's Progress was kind of the inspiration for Night of Cups, mm. um, one of his most recent films. I called uh, Song to Song. His, uh, his, I think it's his second most recent film, but I called that film. Uh, cinematic wisdom literature, uh, and like song to song, <laughs> felt like a felt like a nod to Song of Songs. Um, this this kind of um, critique of the cheapness of sexuality when it's detached from its kind of intended um, one flesh covenantal uh, union. So so yeah, I just get, I just get so much out of his films. I think he's he's brilliant. He's a Harvard. Um, I think, well, actually, I think he went to Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar, but he taught at Harvard. He taught philosophy at Harvard. So he's just this brilliant intellect, um, but he's also a lover of the arts. He's got this encyclopedic knowledge of classical music. Um, he, he's a bird lover. Mm. That's the interesting fact about Terrence Malick. He's like a, I forget the, the name for a, a bird lover, but he's he is that. And he just loves the world. He loves the creation that God created and you can see it in the way he turns his camera on this world it's there's such an affection there's such an observational um devotional kind of tone to it and i think that's the beauty of film among all the art forms um you could say photography does this as well but a film really it takes a an impression of the world It, it turns its attention to this creation, this world, including humans within it, not just butterflies and grass. It's humans are part of this creation. Mm. And it puts it puts the camera on it in a way that focuses us to truly contemplate the mystery and the beauty and the majesty of of what this creation is and how it bears uh, the mark of its creator, how it points beyond itself. Yes. And I think Malik Malik does that so beautifully in his film. So I'll stop there. Like, I can tell, like, <laughs> go on and on and on. But, I love yeah. it. I love talking with <laughs> with experts and scholars, you know, about their passions. Mm-hmm. I really do. And mm-hmm. I I hear that and see that um here yeah. um and in your writing. Yeah. It's it's funny because in listening to you talk about Malik, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know him as well as you do, but I I do see what you say um, when mm-hmm. I view his material, including Tree of Life, perhaps most powerfully yeah, for me. Um, yeah. But I would say, like you, that I would actually make a connection here to the church service. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that 
just as what I get primarily from a Malick film is that sense of reverence and transcendence, um, the creation sort of set on fire, you know, to the glory of God, um, every little leaf, um, you know, in some way giving praise to God or something, something of that nature. The local church is supposed to be a site of transcendence and reverence too, I would argue. And, you know, we could, absolutely, we could make a, you know, fulsome biblical case for why that is so Isaiah six, the Lord's holiness. Uh, We could talk about lots of different texts, but fundamentally it's the strangest thing, Brett. Um, we're both uh, at least credo Baptist by conviction, Baptists, you know, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of rearing. And uh, yeah. it's not always the case that evangelical churches, including Baptist churches, um, exude a sense of reverence and transcendence. Mm-hmm. Many are friendly right. and warm and filled with right. the love of Christ and all sorts of good things. But sometimes right. you okay. can feel yourself, if you are an aesthetically minded Christian or Baptist, you can yeah. feel yourself just a little bit desirous of that yeah. sort of gobsmacked feeling of reverence and transcendence. Does that any of that um, make sense to you? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I mean, I spent some time in England working for the C.S. Lewis Foundation, and I, I got to, like, worship in these cathedrals, uh, these massive kind of awe-inspiring spaces. And, and, you know, the sad thing is they're largely dead spiritually today in terms of the congregations, but in the space is this beautiful, affective experience. And that's that's the part that I think the many evangelical churches uh, that we're talking about miss is this this idea that humans operate on the affective level as well as the kind of intellectual um, level, and so there's something about beauty that that works on the soul and kind of shapes us um, in in ways that words and kind of logic can't. And so, I mean, just read Jonathan Edwards, right? Like I've been reading Jonathan Edwards recently. I'm sure that will make you happy, Owen. Wow, but. Um, all the stars, his stuff, all he, the stars are aligning. All, I'm sorry, all of them, all of them. But yeah, he. I'm I'm writing about beauty um, in a book I'm working on right now. So hence why I've been reading Edwards. But there's, I'm just so convinced that beauty is an essential part of our ecclesiology. How we think about all aspects of the faith, honestly, Christology, like ecclesiology, mm. eschatology, like there's there's beauty throughout. And to, to kind of downplay that or or not mind that for as much as we can is, is a real shame. Because want to go back to the conversation about film as a medium and how it works uniquely, I think it film does have this really affective power. It works on your emotions. Like, you know, I, I cry a lot in films. I don't cry as much reading books. Sometimes I do, mm-hmm. um, or in, in other art forms, but film just the, the music and the, the huge screen and the way that editing can kind of, um, manipulate things in just the right way to, yes. to work on that affective level is, so powerful. And so that's just one example of how the arts um, have this power in our society to shape hearts and to kind of, um, yeah, to shape our desires, what we love, what we worship. And that's both simultaneously an exciting potential and a very scary potential when you mm. think about how how um, film and, and media have been used to change people's hearts on certain issues um, mm. in, in recent years. So, yeah. 
I'm about to tangent. I'm going off on now, but um, yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I was I was in England for the first time not long ago and managed to uh-huh. get over to St. Paul's Cathedral and and got yeah. to one of the services. I'm in no danger of going Anglican myself in my theology or something. <laughs> so let's declare that on public record. And yet, uh, I, I mean, everything you just said hit me mm-hmm. like a ton of bricks. Now, um, yeah. you know, a service where there's a beautiful liturgy and beautiful setting and, and no gospel is, is honestly not one that yeah. I would in any way <laughs> find myself wanting to be at regularly. So let that be said. And yet, right. yeah. wow, when you step into, you know, a grand cathedral and there is this real sense mm-hmm. of reverence and there, there are yeah. even moments yeah. of silence and calm and it's yeah. not really like a rock show with Jesus singing lead. It, it's it really is like something that almost could be called a worship service. You know, at least again, at least outwardly, um, like you're talking about yeah. with film, it it honestly can do something to you. I want to speak carefully, but it can do something to you and leave a mark on you. So there's yeah. something there. Reverence, reverence hits you hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's such power to it. And you know it when you experience it. Like, mm-hmm. It's just this indelible. It's it's a little, I think it's a little like intrusion of eternity, you know, into our, into our temporal experience. It's yes. this taste, this foretaste of, of the glory of being in Christ's presence, but in a very, you know, far removed um, echo of a sense. But nonetheless, yes. it's a powerful powerful thing. And so I loved, I love talking about with my secular non-Christian friends about the arts because so often they describe that sensation. They don't use, you know, Christian language. They don't talk about it being an echo of the presence of Christ, but they describe some sort of like brush with transcendence. And, mm-hmm. and I just think that's such a great starting point for, um, for conversations, evangelistic conversations. So that's another aspect of the arts that I think um, are underappreciated in some evangelical circles is, man, if any, if anything in our culture today is a logical starting place for talking about mm. God, it's it's the arts because in a secular kind of post-Christian age where supposedly everything is materialist and dead and there's no transcendence, man, like every all the best films, the best music is unmistakably like grasping after transcendence and yeah. and puncturing holes in the the imminent domain so i think it's a a great way to start conversations with people and um so yeah that's another thing i like to do with my film reviews i hope that a secular person is reading them finding them on rotten tomatoes and you know finding mm-hmm. their finding their way to a website called the gospel coalition, which they don't know what it is, but <laughs> I am hoping that they read my reviews and, and, and resonate like, Oh yeah, there is something spiritual. There's something theological even about this film. I just watched, even if I wouldn't call myself a believer, um, it's a, it's a starting point. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned Lewis a few times. That's a very Lewisian instinct um, mm-hmm. along those lines mm-hmm. on your part, kind of an apologetic slash evangelistic instinct. And I see that in, in your writing, excellent writing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking as well as you're talking of Lewis's 
concept of northernness, you know, that that wasn't initially something taught to him, um, though he went on to teach about it, but uh, but was his experience of, you know, reading about Viking heroes and this sort of thing and far away uh, icy Mm -hmm. regions. And 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 that wasn't a film derived experience. But many people, I think, today do experience what Lewis called northernness, which basically reduces to transcendence. uh, right. Through films, as you've been saying, and um, right. Lewis himself was absolutely poleaxed by that sensation, um, this mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. of another world intruding on you. I do think you're right, right that films can communicate that almost directly. Obviously, they can show us different worlds and ideally continuing this bridging of the gap that we're doing um, yeah. a church service, you know, actually – uh, a lot of yeah. churches are scared of being a churchy church, but I, I kind of like churchy churches myself, um, yeah. Baptist churches especially. And it's not a bad thing, I would say, as we're winding to a close here, it's not a bad thing for a church to give you a sense of alienness in a way, of, mm-hmm. of remoteness, mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. grandeur. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Modernity conditions us, I think, to be a little bit scared of those things, but I actually think that's some of the best product, so to speak, the church can give. I I absolutely agree. And I mean, I've written about this quite a bit in my writings on the church, too, is Mm -hmm. in this day and age, the worst thing we can do as the church is just to kind of replicate the culture or try to be, you know, basically something that looks and feels and sounds exactly like MTV or whatever, like on a Sunday, (laughs) what we need to do is lean into our peculiar nature as, you know, this strange alien people, this, this thing that is completely other from everything else in our day-to-day experience. Only then, only insofar as people truly experience something jarring, something that breaks them out of the the malaise of modernity, um, only then will the church, you know, have the potential to really transform people. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I'm all for churchy churches. I think <laughs> increasingly the churchiness of church is going to be a great asset for, for, for us in this age. So bring back the organs, I say. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, honestly, um, Another time, I'm going to have you back if you'll come, and we're, we're going to talk about Nolan, Christopher Nolan, because, mm-hmm. for example, in Interstellar... Right, he brings uh, back the organ. He brings back the organ, and the organ is used <laughs> to absolutely yeah. strap you yeah. to a rocket, I think, and send you into outer space yeah. with this sense of eeriness right. and wildness and bigness, and it's it's I love that feeling personally. Oh, yeah. And that organ was recorded in, in a church, I think, in London, uh, this historic um, organ. So even in that film and, and Christopher Nolan's work, and we can say this for another time, but I mean, he's, yeah, he's tapping into that kind of language of transcendence, of which the organ is kind of a signifier, a symbol in, in this world. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll just say this on Nolan, uh, because you have pushed me to think about him uh, in a certain way. I was reading his films more or less as a commentary on transcendence. You know, in other words, not that mm-hmm. Nolan is 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 a is a theist or something, but that um, right. there is that sense of transcendence in his films, right? Um, 
you have pointed out in an article you wrote actually for the uh, the journal Permanent yeah. Things, which I edit, an excellent article. You pointed out that yes, he his movies have that sense, that feeling, that sensation, but the solutions he gives to the problems he set up are so often uh, human driven. Is, is that an yeah. accurate summation? Do you think of him? Yeah, it's it's just an it's a transcendence that's rooted in humanity. Like yeah. he, he he wants to retain the transcendence and the feel of that. But his, his, his location of transcendence is humanity and we save ourselves, right? The, the, yes. the Dunkirk story is the triumph of humanity saving itself. Even, even though others, you know, would call it God intervening and saving, doing a miracle. He calls it a miracle of humanity. And so that's the difference. Um, and I think you see that kind of, um, co-opting or hijacking of transcendence a lot in, in our secular age where it's all about, you know, human potential and your best self and max, you know, maximizing your, your potential. Um, it's all about me. It's all about the imminent. And that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at in our society. And it's a sad thing, but, um, at least I think at least the, the silver lining of that is that it taps, it shows that people are still, needing transcendence they need something um it's just and they're ultimately not going to find it in human potential and in their own self-actualization but uh, and that's where the church can step in and and be the church and offer the true route to transcendence so christopher nolan is actually channeling joel osteen is that what you're saying basically don't quote me on that. That's that's a little cheeky. Um, No, but I I think you're right. It's, it's a point that reminds me of, of Cornelius Mm -hmm. Van Til's, some of his uh, writings and insight. I think, I think you would dig him by the way, some of your material. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I I haven't read him, but I should check him out. I think, I think you dig him. He's a cool cat anyway. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today, Brett. I really appreciate it. I would encourage listeners to check out uh, Brett's writing on film uh, primarily these days at TGC. Also get his books, Uncomfortable, Gray Matters and Hipster Christianity. I'm sure there are others coming down the pike, a very strong author. So thank you so much for making the time, Brett. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.